me Cause we ahead of the crypto curve, yeah Create your own economy Let's get ahead of the crypto curve, yeah Learn from the queen of crypto, your host, Nadja Roberts Leading people out of financial slavery through Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Create your own economy. Let's get ahead of the crypto curve. Learn to get left behind. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve. I'm your host, Naja Roberts, and what we are doing is we are creating Satoshi Millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, and one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you. Again, I'm Naja Roberts, and my mission in life is to lead my people out of financial slavery. Today is Friday. February 23rd. And as you all just heard, this is Michael Jordan's day for uh, number 23 on that jersey. And so we're just super, super, super excited about this day. Um, And this is Black History Month. For those of you uh, that are keeping up with it, I call it Black Futures Month. And we're going to talk about that in just a few seconds. And today we have some fabulous birthdays. And not that everybody is not special because each and every person that we give a shout out to for your birthday is absolutely special. But we have a young lady today by the name of Jasandra Gibbs, and we want to give her a special shout out. Not only is she one of my fabulous um, co-workers, she is definitely a person that was instrumental and has been instrumental and is instrumental in the growth of uh, Crypto Blockchain Plug and the Naja Roberts brand. And I just want to say a special Happy birthday to Cryptopian, Jasandra Gibbs, and a young lady by the name of Kenya Eustace. Eustace, excuse me, Eustace. So I want to say happy birthday to each one of them. And I hope that both of your day is filled with love, joy, peace, and happiness uh, and all the things that you deserve this day. And again, it is February 3rd. So we're excited. So there's a lot of things going on in the money space. And I am here and sometimes I I take a little chuckle because we're here to learn about cryptocurrency and stay ahead of the crypto curve which you all heard but I believe it takes us being holistically in tune with everything that's going on with money so that we can start to really understand what moves these different markets cryptocurrency included and what people are paying attention to in the trading space and different things like that so with that being said Um, We're going to get into some old money stuff because the jobs report just came out. J-O-B-S jobs talks about how many people have jobs uh, and that has to do with the fluctuation of markets up and down. And so we're going to talk about that and how that actually works. And my goal is really to just help our community get the best information. So you know how to move, how you know what things actually mean. So we're going to get into that. Um, and then we're going to get into some crypto stuff. But with that being said, today, again, Black Futures Month, we want to absolutely continue to recognize 
marginalized blacks that are in this Bitcoin space that really know Bitcoin. And so my segment on that, you'll look at my social media, it's black people know Bitcoin too. And so this gentleman that I am going to actually honor today, his name is Jakumi Randolph. He is out of Florida. In fact, he's in Jacksonville, Florida. He is the father of five. He and his wife have been married for 17 years. And I'm so proud of this young couple because they actually homeschool all of their children. They have not left it up to public school system. I know some of us definitely have to do that because we have to work. But both parents are entrepreneurs and they've been working really hard to uh, just really educate their children in the Bitcoin space, in the trading space. And so Jakumi Randolph uh, has worked alongside myself for uh, all of last year, the beginning of, of 2020, uh, the end of 2022, 2021, uh, just really educating people in the Bitcoin space. But he worked in retail for about 18 years. He got interested in the stock market when there was a financial crash in 2008. He started to study after losing half of his portfolio in that debacle. He spent about eight thousand dollars in courses over the next three years studying stocks and options and all of those things. And he was introduced to the world of foreign exchange by a um, person that was just really telling him it's something that our community needed to get in, but there weren't a lot of us. So strangely enough, he had access to these courses that he was taking and um he decided to start paying with Bitcoin because it was an option. And that is where he started learning about Bitcoin. And from there, his fascination with cryptocurrency and the crypto space actually began. And uh, with guidance and mentorship, he's been able to close the wealth gap in the last two years for his family. So I want to say this to each and every one of you. That last sentence is key. He's been able to close the wealth gap in his family in the last two years with Forex and cryptocurrency. And that's where we are trying to get our community, everyone closing the gap within their families first. Then we can move and branch out into our um, our extended family. And then we can do our community, our and then our state and then, of course, our country and some other things. And so that's what we are moving towards. And so I'm really excited about uh, honoring Jakumi today. He is a fantastic father and husband. And again, he knows Bitcoin. And so I want to make sure that people are also looking at other individuals that they may be able to resonate with to start to teach and understand. And he has a whole platform coming out in a website and we'll get him back on sometime uh, coming in the very near future. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, we will continue the conversation about the jobs report. This is KBLA Talk 1580. In a moment, moment. more with Naja Roberts as we get ahead of the crypto curve on KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward, everyone. And we're going to get into our cryptocurrency quote. And this quote is by Ray Dalio. And it says, Bitcoin has proven itself over the last 10 years. It hasn't been hacked. It's by and large, therefore, worked on an operational basis. It has built a significant following. It is an alternative, in a sense, storehold of wealth. 
It is like digital cash. And those are big pluses. And again, that's by Ray Dalio. And uh, I actually pulled that quote up and I changed my quote because when I came into the station today, someone said to me, now, are you ever going to say anything bad about Bitcoin? And I literally said, you can't say anything bad about something that has a fantastic technology behind it and it's not that you know bitcoin is doing anything wrong there are people in this space that do things wrong and therefore give things a bad name and so no i at the present cannot say anything bad about bitcoin i can share with you things that are going on in the space and things that are around it but bitcoin itself is actually a pure currency that has not experienced some of these other things that have happened. Now people mishandle as they mishandle money. People do all sorts of things, but that should not tarnish the actual currency itself. So with that, I just decided to change my quote. And so uh, we're actually going to talk about the jobs report. Now, for some of you that are just learning and really trying to understand this whole financial situation, we listened to Lynn Richardson. I listened to her last hour and she has some great information to share with uh, with you all. And I just want to make sure that our community is really understanding what these numbers are and where they are. And it really has to do with the ethos of cryptocurrency. And I'm going to say this again and I want to make sure our community is understanding. I'm not trying to always say that the government is lying or our state and our local officials are lying. But I really want you to understand the numbers that they give you are the numbers that they give you. And it's not necessarily indicative of what is actually happening specifically in our community. And they have a way of disseminating information to still make you do what they need you to do. So if we need to hold up our economy by allowing people to spend or continuing to let people spend, they can have the feds hike the interest rates up and try to slow spending. But they also have to, in some sort of way, keep the, the stimulation of the economy going. So they don't want to say too much about recessions. They don't want to make people feel like they need to clamor up and hold on to their wealth. They want to have you continue spending. And so when I looked at this jobs report and I listened to CNBC and a couple of other individuals today come out and talk about the jobs report, what the jobs report does, the first thing they say is how did this affect the stock market? which lets you know they're saying something and they're, they've got to make sure that that information is perfect so that the stock market will not fall. The economy will not start to just get into a public panic. And so you have to always ask yourself, why are they saying what they're saying? What are they trying to either uh, kind of ease over what are they trying to distract us from? What is actually happening? And when I opened up CNBC after the jobs report came out, it literally said jobs report showing increase of 517,000 in January, crushing estimates as unemployment rates hit a 53 year low. Now, I don't know about you, but almost everywhere I go, it says help wanted. 
So if I'm seeing help wanted everywhere and then I'm paying attention to the fact that a lot of folks do not have jobs or don't have traditional jobs, I'm wondering how this number is so low. And so then it causes me to go and dig and find out what is this jobs report actually based on how do they do this why are they saying that you know unemployment rates have hit an all-time low and then I start really digging it because I know that it takes more money to feed my family because I go to the grocery store every week so something doesn't quite add up and again this is not conspiracy theory this is really us doing our due diligence and not always accepting what is thrown out to us on uh on tv and on the radio and all of these things. It's really asking the question why. And I told you all, we grew up in households where you didn't ask why it was just because I said so. And so now as an adult, I'm forcing myself to ask why, why is that number at 517,000 new jobs in January when we got all these help wanted signs and just all this other stuff is happening and food is high. People have to be working. They can't just be sitting on food stamps and, and all these other things. So I'm just trying to figure out these things. So what I did find out, um, was what the jobs reports are made of. And you would be very shocked again to know that as I was reading and unfolding, some of the actual mainstream media uh, was actually talking about the same thing that I'm about to say to you today. They understand that if they keep it looking like people have jobs and they're using the right numbers, they're telling you the truth based on what numbers they're actually collecting. But is it really telling the real picture? And the real picture is they got to continue to have people spending. So our economy does not just flop. They've also got to continue to let people go on vacation. I just came back from, as you all know, the Bahamas and there was no uh, absence of people spending and going on vacation and all of these things. And if they are making any indication that we are in a recession, our things are getting ready to go wayward, people would stop those types of activities. And they need them up right now because after coming out of COVID, uh, they've got to stimulate this economy. They've got to keep it stimulated because they're not giving us any more stimulus packages or all of those things. And all of those things are combined. They all pull together to make up uh, and help them to actually craft out the narrative that they need to put out for the American people. And again, I'm not saying this is conspiracy. I'm saying that the numbers that they utilize to make these reports actually in our minds is is constructed so that we continue doing what they need us to do and they need us to continue spending and I am saying to our community that we need to be saving more than we are spending right now and just because they said that job the it's the lowest unemployment rate in the last 53 years we need to ask ourselves why and really beware so what I did was again as I do stop start uh, stop listening uh, to the numbers and thinking that all is well and really start digging into the facts. But there are five problems with the employment unemployment rate that I saw uh, because this jobs report again is here. It, it's it's just an estimation that uh, the rate fell three point four percent. But 
what I am seeing, and, and this is just quite honest, they're not utilizing the right numbers because their unemployment data does not account for discouraged workers. Discouraged workers aren't included in the official unemployment rate. These are adults who have looked for jobs at some point in the last 12 months, but in the last four weeks before the Bureau of Labor and Statistics conducted this monthly survey of households, uh, they left them out of the equation. So if they left them out of the equation and they're still looking for jobs, that means it helps their numbers go down because they're not accounting for these people that are still unemployed and have not found jobs. And even if they found jobs, they're they're not counted um, because these jobs are actually under uh, the threshold of actual jobs that pay a sustainable wage like it's all these little weird nuances that they don't add but unemployment uh also ignores other marginally attached workers a discouraged worker is an example of a marginally attached worker uh other marginally attached workers aren't in the labor force because they haven't looked for work in the past month for various different reasons uh even though they have looked for a job in the past year they don't count them in this in other words, if you were looking for a job in about November or September and you took a break uh, in December or November because it was Thanksgiving and you were too sick or you were caring for a parent, they don't even they don't even count you in there, which helps their numbers actually get lower as to the amount of people are looking for jobs because you are, are in a job because you stop looking. And so the, it's just all these little weird things. Unemployment doesn't separate part time and full time. So, yes, people may have gotten jobs, but those jobs are part time. Mainly, if you take a look at Walmart, they hire you to work at Walmart just enough so that they don't have to pay insurances. And so a lot of people, if you ask them at Walmart, and I'm one of those people that go into Walmart and I talk to the greeter, I want to know what you did before you were uh, working at Walmart. Why are you in retirement and at Walmart? And I find out a lot of good stuff. But what I also find out talking to employees at Walmart is that they give them just enough hours where they don't qualify for benefits. And then they're either on food stamps or they're either on uh, Medi-Cal or something like that, that helps them get their health benefits in order. But they're part time and that doesn't really constitute a full time job, obviously. And they're not counted in the jobs report as full-time because part-time and full-time are considered the same in this report. So yes, maybe they do have a part-time job that's giving them 20 hours a month, a week or something like that. That is counted to bring down the unemployment rate, but that person is still looking for a full-time job somewhere to help them sustain their household. So those individuals are not counted in this, in this whole, um, jobs report. Unemployment does not consider whether people have low paying jobs. As I just stated, unemployment does not capture long term employment. Now, this is the one that is the kicker. Guess what they consider long term employment? Anyone who hasn't been working for at least 27 weeks is considered to be long term unemployed. So um, 27 weeks is not a long time, but they're considering them to be long term unemployed and millions 
ladies and gentlemen, millions of Americans fall into this category, but the unemployment rate does not consider how long people haven't had jobs. And so they're able to move these numbers around however they need to move them to make it sound better, to make it look better, to keep people spending and thinking that they're okay and that everything else around them is okay when in fact there is an absolute absolutely a problem and so I am saying this because of this cryptocurrency space we are in a cryptocurrency space where information and the ability to have decentralized information is key if these jobs reports and all these stats as it relates to people going to work people getting laid off people searching for jobs, people only getting hired part time. All of these things can be on the blockchain, ladies and gentlemen, the technology behind Bitcoin. It's not Bitcoin. It's the technology behind Bitcoin, the blockchain. If we had all this unemployment data that was actually in there, they wouldn't have to make these reports because we could look at it ourselves and we could really objectively see what's working, what's not working, what direction we're headed in. If we're in trouble as a community, all of these things will play a part. But right now, the way it stands is it's centralized and People that put these reports together are able to say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it and when they say it. And the unemployment rate isn't as accurate um, as it should be. And the joblessness simply um, just does not consider everyone who doesn't have a job. And that's why many economic experts, including myself, we don't focus on the jobs market. And if you turn on the news or CNBC or any of that today, everybody's talking about it. And you and and we've got to understand what this thing is about. That's why many of us actually focus on what's known as the real unemployment rate. And it's sad that we would have a real unemployment rate and then the unemployment rate that they actually put out on out in the media. And so you will find um, you will find that uh, each and every one of us actually look to what is called the U6 measure, U as in unicorn, U6 measure. Uh, this is a report that comes out on a, ba a monthly basis so we can kind of see what's happening. And I look at it because I want to make sure that I'm understanding kind of what the needs are for our community as it relates to jobs and things of that nature so that as I'm talking to different officials that I'm as I'm talking to different companies as I'm talking to HBCUs that we really have our finger on the pulse as to what our community needs by way of jobs and not just jobs but sustainable jobs so that adult children don't have to live at home adult children don't have to come back home because they are able to sustain on their own and again there's there's nothing wrong with an adult child coming back home to save and all of those things, but they're having to do those things because the job market is not really what it needs to be right now in this time for them to be able to succeed. And so we have to know all these things, but it also affects our money. It also affects the markets. Why is Bitcoin up today? Why are the stocks up today? All of these things. And they will always point to all these different reports, but nobody's ever taken the time to stop and tell us why these reports are important. And so I hope today that I have enlightened you a little bit about what the jobs reports are, how, uh, how and why these reports are put out.
uh, why the, they keep such a gauge on these job reports and why they're, you know, really trying to keep a pulse on the uh, uh, economy. When we come forward after news, sports and traffic, we will get into the cryptocurrency conversation. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Courage is contagious. contagious. We're KBLA Talk 1580. Any near you. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. So let's just jump in to again. It's just a little bit of a continuation about the jobs report. But I'm going to say this. The Fed's policy, uh, the Fed's policy win. And there's some other things that are going on in the background where the Feds are making decisions. They're coming up with laws and regulations. And those of us that are in the space are on our anticipatory tiptoes waiting to see what they're going to do with regulation. But what we do know is that Bitcoin has already been categorized as a commodity and that Wall Street has made a painted this narrative and tried to jump into the space and change it to be exactly what they wanted. And because of Bitcoin and the blockchain, the technology, they have not been able to do that. And so the January rebound in the equities um, and the knockout employment report that we just heard about may have undermined a few by Bitcoin narratives. But the real value proposition behind Bitcoin lies far beyond Wall Street and the emerging markets that are coming along. And Bitcoin is in very strong demand. So despite what you hear, I'm going to just tell you that the economic data and other indicators that uh, include a more upbeat mood in the financial markets point to a real possibility that the United States Federal Reserve will defy earlier expectations and successfully engineer a soft landing in the world's biggest economy. If so, that could yet again force Bitcoin favored investment advisors to return to the drawing board on how to frame this hard to categorize asset. So a lot of people, of course, they always say Bitcoin is hard to categorize. We don't know if it's a commodity. We don't know if it's a security, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, um, and and they're trying to explain this to newcomers that are coming into the space in a language that they can actually hunt, understand and begin to hold Bitcoin in their portfolios. But my advice to them, in my opinion, is not to bother. Not because I think Bitcoin is worthless, but because all the efforts to explain it within the language and logical framework that they bring in these traditional financial markets will not work. It's going to continue to fail. And when the real expectation for its value lies elsewhere, um, they just try to push it all in the baskets of, you know, these are, again, thieves and criminals and people off the streets of Lagos. And, you know, they try to say it's just Nigerians playing with people. And so I just say, you know, this isn't the space for Wall Street. And I really, really hope that each and every one of you are really understanding your traditional financial advisor, the individuals that are giving you financial advice, uh, that they really don't even understand how to explain this themselves and what you need to be doing in the space. And so I just want to 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 make sure that we are all clear that um that considering the different things and the different narratives that Wall Street has been hoisted up upon, uh, Bitcoin really is not going to work for those individuals coming 
from Wall Street, which allows us the opportunity to stack as much as we need until they figure it out. But there was one common description of Bitcoin, and they've always said it was a hedge against inflation. So that pitch actually died with Bitcoin's market uh, last year. And it was a crypto winner. We all know the crypto winner has happened before. We're like at, in our ninth time that there's been a crypto winner. Um the opposite of what you would want for a hedge. A hedge needs to always uphold itself. And so they say gold is a hedge. Gold hasn't dropped in price. In fact, gold fluctuates very little uh, from week to week. And so, you know, gold is a hedge to inflation. The other way that Wall Street has been explaining the, the Bitcoin uh, space to their clients is referring to it as digital gold. The story where Bitcoin is thought of as this sacred digital asset that provides this long-term store of value in the face of political and economic uncertainty. And I am not saying that at all. I want to make sure people are clear. I am saying that technology and money is changing. It is not going to, uh, it is definitely going to be scarce, but it is not absolutely not um, going to it, we got we still got to deal with the, the faces of the political and economic uncertainty, no matter what we do. But there is a digital currency coming, central bank digital currency, and we've got to make a choice. We are do both and, and we're going to all have to do both. Just like right now, we have to bank and we can use Bitcoin. Going to have to do the same thing when the CBDCs come on uh, on this online and that's central bank digital currencies. Um, but that hasn't played out so well as it relates to um, this study. And we're at the end of a 12 week central bank digital currency study that I'm definitely going to break down for you all. I cannot wait for that to hit the airwaves. Uh, and hopefully that the truth is told about this uh, pilot program that they're doing, but I'm going to wait for that. And I'll bring that to you uh, because most of the post 2021 wave of late adoption of institutional and individual newcomers have suffered wealth destruction. And why is that in the in the Wall Street space? Why are we meeting so many people, not in our community, but so many people that are saying that they have suffered wealth, absolute wealth destruction. And I see a lot of those people all the time is because their financial advisors got into this space. They're still thinking the same way that they were on Wall Street or in traditional financing. They're thinking about commissions. And Bitcoin is not a commission driven type of a space. It wasn't set up for commission. So when they're thinking of getting you involved in Bitcoin from the Wall Street's perspective, they're trying to figure out what fund they can get you in where you have exposure to Bitcoin and not Bitcoin itself. Because once you buy Bitcoin itself, you no longer need them. And so they got to put you in a commission based type product. So you get a hedge fund, you get all these other types of things because they're constantly paid uh, for what they actually uh, get you involved in. And so that's why you don't get the right information. Finally, there is a long game idea uh, that I ascribe to. Uh, but again, Wall, Wall Street is a little bit different that you should own Bitcoin as a warrant or an option on a future collapse um, in the dollar centric 
international monetary system, a bet that confidence in the central bank stewards of that system might eventually evaporate. This, too, is being challenged, or at least by now, in the recent economic evidence, um, people are really not certain at all. There was another currency that just collapsed last week and we'll probably get into that on Monday so that you all understand that overnight, a whole entire economy, the the monies that you hold can unfortunately be devalued. And so we're going to talk about that and, and, and really share what that actually looks like. And I'm again praying I am not hoping that that happens in the United States. Uh, but we need to just know that these things are happening and that there is a big demand for currencies that will withstand all of these things. And so people are looking to Bitcoin. So there are uh, some very, very big narratives that are happening in the background that you're not seeing. So I just want to, uh, you know, just share these things with you so that you really understand how or why Wall Street plays in, how the jobs report, how uh, the Fed's interest rate hikes or deflationary actions, as they state, are starting. All of these things play into our psyche as to if we should be spending, saving, enjoying ourselves, living our best life, whatever that looks like. We've really got to strategically plan. And I've said over and over, Bitcoin is a game of chess. It is not the game of checkers. And right now, I think a lot of us are still playing checkers and we need to be playing chess. When we come forward, we'll jump into the market report. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Old money, old money, new money, new money. We've got you covered. Keep it locked to the midday money chain on KBLA Talk 1580. Now, now let's get back to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. So let's get into the market report here quickly. We have Bitcoin right now trading at twenty three thousand three hundred and fifty seven dollars in the last hour. It is down point zero four percent. It is also down in the last twenty four hours, one point four three percent. And in the last seven days, it is up eight point one percent. And so um I am looking at Ethereum, which is at $1,656. It is down exactly an hour. It's totally even. It's at 0.00. And then in the last 24 hours, it is down 0.34%. And in the last seven days, it's up 3.39%. When I was looking at uh, this report, I noticed that we have gone back over 100 uh, actually $1 trillion in market cap. And we're closer to $1.1 trillion in market cap, which we haven't done this since the beginning of last year. And what that means is there's over $1.1 trillion in all of the cryptocurrencies that are out there. There's over 22,000 cryptocurrencies out there. And within all those cryptocurrencies, there's over um, there's almost $1.1 trillion. Now, I need you to take always continue to do some comparative analysis. So with gold, gold has been around 5000 years and they always say that gold is a hedge against inflation. Gold is a store of value, all of those things. And it's been around for 5000 years. Well, there is only on record that I can see about 10 trillion dollars in gold monies that are invested in gold 10 trillion 
we're at 1.1, which is, you know, it's not two. So I'm just going to say one. we're at 1 trillion with cryptocurrency, but we're at 10 trillion with gold and gold has been around over 5,000 years. So I am seeing and have seen where we've gotten up to 2 trillion and that's with the T uh, in this cryptocurrency space. And I really firmly believe that we're going to get uh, get back where we were and it's going to actually surpass. And the more Bitcoin and the different cryptocurrencies that are coming on the scene are stronger, doing the right thing, changing some of the ills that are happening, making sure that processes are easier for different communities that um, and, and that when the ethos of what Bitcoin was about really comes to the forefront and that's being able to change and give control to the people who deserve to be in control of their money. When those things start to happen and people start to see more of the current events and some of the things that are happening out here, I just really feel like uh, Bitcoin is going to take off the way that it needs to. And I, I, and we can be patient for that. We don't have to uh, rush. We don't have to get rich quick. We don't have to put our hands in our head uh, because we've lost money. I am doing the thing to be safe and education is going to keep you safe opening your eyes and understanding what these reports that come out are talking about how it affects you how it affects your community all of these things are critically and vitally important right now this time in space the wealth transfer is happening ladies and gentlemen money is not going anywhere money has not gone anywhere it is changing hands and they are really trying to work feverishly to make sure that those who have maintained the wealth maintain the wealth and those who have not had the wealth don't get it and this narrative changes and so we're here to make sure that we get our fair share not by anybody giving us anything and again I'm not against reparations but I believe that there are some tools and mechanisms in place right now where we can meet our own type of reparations and I'm watching like physically watching every day individuals in this space that I'm in cashing out hundred thousands of dollars and it's not get rich fat quick they are they're doing some things they're they're getting into place they're closing the wealth gaps in their particular households and all of us can do it but we've got to really start paying attention to the things that matter with that someone asked a question because we're at the ask Nigel Roberts part um, someone asked the question about a Satoshi. And I've got to make sure that those new listeners are understanding a Satoshi is not some other cryptocurrency. There are 22,000 cryptocurrencies out there. You got, um, and, and I've heard this more than once, which is why I'm bringing it up. A Satoshi, a Satoshi is not a new cryptocurrency because somebody said, well, how much is a Satoshi? Uh, because they think that is a new cryptocurrency. It is only the same thing is a penny, a penny to a dollar. A Satoshi is to a Bitcoin. Again, a penny is to a dollar as a Satoshi is to a Bitcoin. It's not another currency. It's not a new coin. It is a part of Bitcoin. And so when you ask what a Satoshi is or what I feel like a Satoshi will be worth in five to 10 years, I don't even know what a Satoshi will be worth in five to 10 years. But what I do know is probably not in my lifetime. In my great grandchildren's lifetime, I really feel like a Satoshi, which is the smallest increment of a Bitcoin, will be worth 
about a dollar. Uh, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, we will get into doing our daily dollar cost average. This is KBLA Talk 1580. You're linked to the Midday Money Chain with Lynn Richardson and Naja Roberts exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is growing at a phenomenal pace and we need to enlarge our territory. We are seeking smart, creative solution providers to join the KBLA delegation and go higher with us. If you or someone you know is interested in joining our team as a brand manager, go to our website at KBLA1580.com. Tap on Employment Opportunities and let us hear from you. We're not looking for everybody or just anybody, but you could be that special somebody. Come grow with us. We're KBLA Talk 1580. Less BS per broadcast. Fewer microaggressions per megawatt. KBLA Talk 1580. All right, everyone. It is time for us to do our daily dollar cost average. As you know, every day live on air, I buy $6 worth of Satoshis. A Satoshi, again, is the smallest increment of a Bitcoin. And we do this on the Black Wall Street wallet. And you know what I say? A DCA a day keeps poverty away. DCA stands for dollar cost average. We buy in the highs. We buy in the lows. We buy in the middle. We buy when they say it's crashing. We buy when when they say it's at an all-time high. We dollar cost average. So let's open up our Black Wall Street wallet. Let's click on the purple circle in the middle. And let's buy $6 worth of Satoshis this one time. So with the Black Wall Street wallet, you can set it up and forget it or you can do it one time every day with me. That's all it takes. And I'm going to put this in my KBLA Talk 1580 wallet so that I can keep track of what I've been buying for the last year all the way up until April 1st. I'll make an announcement as to what I actually have after DCAing $6 a day live on the air. And really, ladies and gentlemen, that that's all it takes for you to buy some Satoshis, a small fractional part of Bitcoin. That's all it takes. And so um, we are just excited about everything, as I stated, that is going on in our space. We are so looking forward to making some fabulous announcements. Uh, our community is really better because of the information that we're getting. I will say to you that I talked to one of our clients this morning who was on her way to a photo shoot, a photo shoot, not about what's going on in her life and how fabulous it is. She literally is on a photo shoot right now as we speak because she is speaking to her great grandchildren that she says she'll probably never, ever get a chance to meet. But she wants to talk to them about what they need to be involved in and the diversification of their port of of what her portfolio has done to leave a legacy for her family. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but that just made me uh, this. It just brought almost tears to my eyes, but it also makes me elated that lives are changing, finally changing in, uh, in and around our community. And so that is just a great testament of what is going on. So you all do not touch that dial. It's time for us to make way for the DL Hughley show. I want to thank each and every one of you for rocking with me, your host, Naja Roberts on the head of the crypto curve, where we're creating Satoshi millionaires one day at a time, one family at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you. You're listening to Nadja Roberts on the head of the crypto curve. Please follow her on all social media platforms at Nadja Roberts. No underscores, no dots, no numbers, just Nadja Roberts. Let's close the wealth gap. It's our turn. 
1580 Santa Monica.